Worlds Beyond with Cam and Ron is back, and we are glad you are here. Welcome back, guys. Yeah, thanks for tuning in. And as always, before we dive in, I'd just like to say if you enjoy our content, we'd love for you to give us a like and follow on our Twitter or X, whatever we're calling it now, at WorldsB underscore podcast, and a like or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Definitely means the world to us. Thanks again for tuning in. Yes, we appreciate that very much. And now on to the Marvels just came out we just passed the second weekend and a lot going on with this film uh, you know swirling around the film itself the reaction has been mixed the rotten tomato score has been mixed although ended up being very solid i think the mm. mm-hmm. critic score is 62 and the audience score is up in the 80s so you know, the overall reaction to it has been positive there's you know there's a lot of folks you know complaining about the things that they complain about. I overall thought it was really enjoyable. Uh, I won't say it's in the top tier of my Marvel films. You know, it wasn't like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever. But I had a smile on my face through the whole movie. I enjoyed it. And it was just one of those sort of mid-level, if we think back to, you know, it doesn't seem that long ago, but the heyday of the MCU and sort of the the mid 2010s, you know, it was like an Ant-Man or a Doctor Strange or mm, know, definitely mm-hmm. kind of fell in that level. Iron Man 3, I would say probably, I don't think, I don't, I wouldn't rate it as highly as I would rate those films, but like it just fell in that sort of, this was just a mid-level solid Marvel adventure. I enjoyed it more than Captain Marvel, I will say. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'll just pause there. That was my initial reaction. Yeah, unfortunately, I think this movie is really in a bad spot in terms of the kind of societal or cultural outlook at the MCU right mm-hmm. now because it is it really does address some issues that people have been bringing up about the MCU for the past few years you'd think based on some people's reaction to it and especially the box office i think we're we're approaching bomb levels yeah. it's really not doing very well at the box office uh, but if you really actually step back and look at it it's really not any worse and in some ways it's better than yeah some of those later mid 2010s marvel movies it's just kind of like a yeah doctor strange ant-man uh and even captain marvel right uh it's just very like you know solid solidly made not mind-blowing not as good as the best of the mcu but i do think people are being a little bit unfair to this one not for any reason other than that it's just the latest marvel movie and the drama surrounding it is really drumming up people coming out and just saying like the mcu is dead you know this is the final death nail for the mcu kind of thing when really it's it's not uh and it actually does address a lot of issues like i said uh, in particular, I thought the CGI was very good. The fight scenes were really well choreographed, and um, and overall, and it's short too. I think a Huge. lot of people are kind of getting uh, sick of these two two and a half hour runtime movies. I mean, Wakanda Forever was almost three hours. Those three elements, I think, were they purposefully kind of focused on to try to quell some of that criticism i just think this movie landed at the exact wrong time and it's become kind of a scapegoat in a lot of ways for the growing descent of the mcu and superhero movies in general but uh but yeah if you step back and you really just go into it expecting a fairly average 
well-made, fun MCU movie, I'd say it absolutely lives up to that. And in many ways, I, I thought it was more fun than some of the recent outings. As much as I loved uh, Wakanda Forever, I would say this felt a lot more just fun and breezy and lighthearted than that that movie. So I, for that reason, I liked it. And, you know, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, I really liked uh, but that was almost funeral dirge, you know, serious mm, and heavy. Right. Wakanda Forever. I, I enjoyed it. I remember really enjoying it in the moment. I don't think I've gone back and watched that one again yet, but it was very long and, mm. and drawn out. And serious. And serious. Yep. Uh, and obviously Quantumania was just kind of a dud. And, th- you know, Thor Love and Thunder was kind of, you know, just kind of a mess. Not, you know, had a few good moments, but overall was not that great. Uh, this movie is definitely better, way better than Thor: Love and Thunder or Quantumania. And again, it moves away from some of the fatigue elements that that films like Doctor Strange and Wakanda Forever had. So yeah, it's just that perfect. And I love, 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 love the runtime. You know, it almost has that like horror movie runtime of just like an hour and forty five right. minutes. And even you know, like, even like we said, as much as we loved Across the Spider Verse, that was oh right, yeah, yeah that, was that was almost three hours that too. Was yeah. Very long. Even though I can't wait for the sequel to it, it still it was long. So this was it was great. Well, I guess I should say that I'm in kind of a weird, maybe minority, in that I loved both Captain Marvel and Miss Marvel. Uh, I, I I think especially Captain Marvel, there was a lot of elements to it. You know, Fury and bringing back Coulson was a great yep. great move and kind of fleshed out some of that early early MCU timeline that we haven't seen and um and and I yeah I still really liked Miss Marvel uh, obviously there's a couple huge problems with it but overall I thought it was a fun kind of teen throwback uh teen superhero series and so I was really looking forward to this and um I'd say it it delivered I love all three characters uh they had great chemistry together I think they really did a lot to improve on how kind of weirdly serious Captain Marvel was in in her first film. Mm. She was a lot more lighthearted and quippy. Obviously, Iman Vellani is incredible as Kamala Khan. Uh, She really just embodies the character so well and has this great, just bubbly personality. And uh, and I really, uh, uh, even though she was kind of maybe the weaker link, uh, Monica Rambo. She she stood out and I and I liked her kind of arc in WandaVision. So it was interesting to bring bring her in as well. And then just everything they did with the body switching and and the action kind of around that and the drama and just kind of hilarious reactions from the different kind of whether it be Kamala's family or uh, Nick Fury working with Captain Marvel, uh, just they just brought out a lot of that classic MCU humor that didn't feel too out of place. And, and yeah, I, I just think it was very well made. The action scenes were, were well shot and there was a lot of great kind of spectacle CGI elements to it. Uh, I, yeah, no, I, I just really enjoyed it overall. And I do think it's getting a little bit unfairly kind of bashed just based on, the current climate. Yeah, and they, I, I mean, and it's it's one of those things. That there's definitely a lot of people that haven't even seen it that are bash, bashing right. it. So yeah, I I so I will say the one element of it that people were saying they were going to have a hard time with was how they're pulling, you know, Captain Marvel. Obviously, 
had her origin film and she was in Endgame. So that was well established. And they were like, okay, well, how are you going to get people who haven't seen either WandaVision or Ms. Marvel up to speed on that? They did do the, the those little montages to get you up to speed. They got you up to speed with Cap- Captain Marvel. They got you up to speed with Ms. Marvel. I love how they brought in the aesthetic of that show that had that sort of, you know, that Lizzie McGuire, you know, right. early 2000s mm-hmm. Disney teen comedy with the animation, you know, stuff in there. And Amon Vellani, she's, she, I think she's got a great future. She's just, she's just great. You know, her energy and just her performance was so great in that show. Uh, and she totally carried it over. I love her family. Uh, her family was one of the, her, her mm, family oh, yeah, was one of the hilarious. best parts of the show. Just their whole family dynamic mm. and that carried over to this film as well. And so in some ways, like I, I found the the film fighting to be kind of a Ms. Marvel, almost more of a platform for her character. And then towards the end, mm. they kind of wrapped it or as the movie got into its second and third act, they sort of like tilted it back a little bit more toward Carol Danvers. And so the one thing just to finish my original thread is I felt it was a little weak on the recap of Monica's character and get in, in, ter- in terms of like getting you up to speed on where, you know, where she sort of came from. And, you know, she was one of the, she was one of the, she was so great. And her character arc uh, in WandaVision was so great, you know, having to play all those sixties and seventies co- oh, comedic right. yeah, characters yeah. and then her, then playing her actual, you know, character. That was great. So a lot of good character work. I, I thought they gave Carol Danvers. That was one of, one of the things I will say I, I felt was a flaw of the, of Captain Marvel is a, they didn't give her a great arc and, you know, and people accused the movie, uh, you know, accused her character of having the, you know, these Mary Sue qualities. She was just like this ultra powerful, you know, just like from day one. Mm. And, and, I, and I think to some degree the movie was like that enough of an arc, I feel like, in the first film. And they definitely grounded her character much more. They gave her something, thing that she did that she had to recover from. And so you know, I, th- I just think they gave her a better arc in this film. And I, and I think the comedy elements, the natural comedy elements from Kamala's family and Kamala herself, Sam Sam Jackson's always good. The Blurg, is that what they call it? The Blurgit? Blurgit? The cat? Yeah. Oh, the, uh, the Blurkin, Blurkin or whatever Blurkin? it is. I do feel as though they leaned, there was a couple of points where because of Kamala's family, because of, you know, there's always good banter with with Sam Jackson and the, and the whole saber stuff in space. So there was so much natural comedy. And then the, then the natural comedy that came out of the body switching and the teleporting that they went for a few more jokes. Uh, and I guess if we're getting into it, getting into spoilers for folks who haven't seen it, when they do, when they go to the water planet, uh, with everyone mm. singing and dancing and, and, uh, and all that. I mean, I think it mostly worked. It was fine. But like, there was a couple of places where I'm like, there's so much natural comedy just based on the characters and the situations in this movie that they didn't need to reach for gags. And I just felt there was, there was a couple of points where a couple of points where I felt like they were reaching for gags and Harry having Brie Larson, you know, sing her lines in her princess dress and everything else. It was a little Mm. much. And there was some, I would say I, there was a couple cheesy moments you know, most of their whole bonding thing on Carol's ship was, you know, worked well and their dance routines and the jumping rope and all that stuff. Uh, so there was a couple of points where it got a little cheesy. Yeah, well, I will say I I did like, uh, I think the two kind of scenes that were stood out as kind of a little cheesy, at least in terms of humor, were, were the, yeah, obviously the water planet and the flurkins mm. eating yeah, everybody yeah, yeah, at yeah. the end. Uh, but both both of those I thought were funny enough and they didn't, 
like the water planet could have easily gone on and become grating but like as soon as the singing and dancing started to get like a little bit okay this is getting too much then then they actually kind of wrap it up with a joke that he's bilingual and can just speak normally which i thought was funny and like so just as it was kind of overstaying its welcome it kind they brought it back which i appreciated and then the flurkins uh sucking everybody up i thought was hilarious because i just the they were playing the song from Cats, oh, the yeah, musical yeah, yeah. Cats, and and everything. I thought that was hilarious. But yeah, I think those were probably if they had gone on any longer, I think it would have been a little bit too much. But yeah, the humor I I think overall worked worked well for me. Yeah, performances um, were good. I thought. Well, what did you think of uh, Zowie Ashton as Dar Ben the villain? Oh well, of course. Yeah, I think like most Marvel movies, that's probably the weakest element maybe not as bad as some of the weakest villains like Malekith right. in the Dark World or um or I don't even know who who is the villain in Ant-Man 2. Oh, uh, well, well, oh, well Ghost, Ghost was a little bit Ghost, it was a little bit Lawrence Fishburne's characters. But yeah, so it, this kind of tra- carries on the Marvel tradition of of kind of a throwaway villain. But I mean they did what they could uh, and her performance was, you know, fine. I I didn't stand out to me as incredible but it also wasn't you know bad or anything they've they i think focus more on obviously carol's conflict with her actions at immediately following the original captain marvel movie and that kind of gave good motivation to the villain and presented enough of a kind of i guess uh existential problem that that it worked as a conflict. Yeah, definitely. I thought her performance was good. I almost confused. I almost, uh, she resembles the actor that played ghost in Ant-Man 2. I almost thought it was the same. I almost oh, thought yeah. it was the same actress, but, um, but speaking of, you know, we just wrapped up, uh, our episode on Loki and I think that's, it's, I think Zowie Ashton is, is Loki's like oh, yeah, fiance think... or Tom Hiddleston's fiance. Right, yeah, Loki's yeah. fiance. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe, maybe that'll be a, a <laughs> plot point but uh yeah no i thought she was good and I, I think they at least gave her good motivation for what for what she did and then a couple of things well as it relates to her and we'll, we'll get into the finale in a moment and then some of the uh, post-credit scenes which i thought were the most enjoyable post-credit scenes that we've had in a while but carol's wrap-up as it relates to her and carol well, and carol's sort of big sin that she committed mm, um mm-hmm. by you know wiping out the supreme intelligence that was a good arc uh that gave you know carol something that she had to atone for i thought it was a little awkward that we didn't find that out until later in the movie it just seemed a little jumbled where i, I would have thought that they would have you know when we first meet carol she's just in sort of right. this sort of normal situation her and fury are talking yeah you gotta go take care of this problem on this planet and she's flying around in her ship i would have it would have, I think, it would have benefited the movie to have been aware of this unfortunate mm. thing that she did. So it made it seem a little bit kind of convenient. Where when they brought it up, where, where they did somewhere in the second act, we learn about that. If we had, if we had at least had a hint of of that, that she was kind of feeling bad about something she did earlier on in the movie, it would have, I think, it would have worked better. The only other character thing I'll note, which I've definitely seen online as well. Is and it, it did absolutely strike me, you know, when when I first saw saw it. Or it's just Fury, his his character in this movie. This movie is supposed to pick up where you know, at least in the timeline, where 
Secret Invasion right. left off. And Secret Invasion, he was this like old, decrepit, broken guy and all messed up and depressed and comes in and, and then he, he brings his his wife Mm. You know, they and they they do kind of you know they fly away on the ship together to go back to Saber. We meet him here, and he's just happy-go-lucky Fury, you know, from the post-credit scene in uh, in Far From Home. Uh, and so that that was really jarring. I mean, and and I guess if you didn't see Secret Invasion, which I wouldn't blame you if you haven't, then it, mm. it doesn't matter. You're you're just gonna you got no acknowledgement of secret invasion fury. So that, that was a little weird, but I'm, I'm, I, I mean, I was fine with it. Cause I'm just like, I, you know, the, the less said about secret invasion, the better as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, that it is weird because I don't know what it was originally planned. I don't even know if we, if we could like mm. go back to uh, even pre COVID and see kind of the, the outline they were going for. I wouldn't be surprised if secret invasion was supposed to come after this originally, but then just due to all the, covid rearranging yeah. <laughs> and, and everything yeah. else uh it got it got stuck before um but i also wouldn't be surprised if they if maybe secret invasion is the first time they just go yeah. uh, let's just forget about that and and move on uh just because it's yeah it just sticks out like a sore thumb it if it happened after i guess they could also say like oh it happens after because there wasn't there wasn't anything in secret invade or in the marvels mm. that reference secret invasion or needed secret invasion to happen in order for it to happen in fact it's strange that there's a whole scene of valkyrie coming to take more scrolls to earth uh when based on the end of secret invasion that yeah probably isn't going to be the best idea uh, so with that i i think they could go either way they could say oh secret invasion is after uh marvels or they can just wipe it completely that whole thing bringing more scrolls to earth totally is disjointed when it comes to what happened in secret invasion but, but yeah again. uh well well it's weird because it actually works better if it's pre-secret invasion right because, yeah and then they're just filling the world up with more scrolls and exacerbating the problem right and i guess if if uh fury came back to earth after the events of this film then that makes more sense that he may have needed a vacation or something. Mm, but I don't mm, know. Right. Uh, other thoughts you have? I have one more thought before we get to the post credit scenes about the finale. Uh, no, I, I guess I just, I, I do want to emphasize the production and special effects, you know, as, as we, you know, we've seen a lot of scrutiny over mm. Marvel CGI recently. So it was great to see. I saw it in 3d in a big, big screen, big format, not IMAX, but kind of, Mm-hmm. adjacent I, I actually didn't even know that they still did 3d movies anymore but i thought the 3d was excellent and it looked great you know all the special effects and and stuff i thought with the exception of a few shots i i um you know anytime you do someone flying or falling certain yeah. angles are going to look kind of wonky but they definitely seem to make a point of improving the cgi quality a little bit um and then i just loved all the fight scenes and how they were shot choreography and cinematography uh so i again i just i feel like in some ways this is more of a well-made movie than even some of the older mcu movies uh and people just aren't seeing that because they they want to just hop on the mcu was dead bandwagon kind of thing yeah i mean i i didn't see anything not that I would really, but I didn't see anything. All the special effects looked good to me, so it's good to hear that 
seemed like this was much more consistent. Although, you know, definitely like I can say like in Quantum Mania, there was a lot of stuff that just mm. did not look, mm-hmm. didn't look great. But yeah, my last thought just and you know, it's again more from a kind of a plot point standpoint is so ultimately when Carol goes back and reignites their son using her power, I'm like, she didn't think of that before now right yep yeah <laughs> like, you know and, and like she just in, came it, up with it and it worked immediately kind of thing right and she had that one throwaway line where she said you know i didn't think i could do that i didn't think i would be able to do that and then it may, it's almost like trying to imply that she needed monica to kind of scientifically figure out that she could do that definitely this you know the, this movie has its its flaws certainly but but I would say overall, it's just a it's just a very solid, just fun adventure. So now we come to especially spoilers. Now I think we said that already. But the two, well, the sort of immediate credit scene. I don't even know what you call it because it was a tag, right? There's really a tag at the end of the film, right? Yeah. Since the the team up of the actual Marvels with Monica, since she disappears and is lost in some other dimension at the end of this film, and Carol is off reigniting the son of Hala, we get. Ms. Marvel back on Earth trying to start her own team mm. with some of her peers, and she shows up in Kate Bishop's apartment in New York City. Does she have a code name, or is she just Kate Bishop? I guess I guess she is technically Hawkeye or another version of Hawkeye, but um, uh, uh, yeah, no, I don't I don't think they've made that official in the MCU yet. So the two of them it looks like they're going to get together. They they reference Cassie Lang. In that brief scene, so that's cool. Hawkeye is is my favorite of the Disney Plus series, and mm. I thought thought Haley Steinfeld did a great job with Kate Bishop, so that was cool. And then we get the alternate dimension scene where we see what's Monica Rambo's mom's name? Uh, uh, Maria. Maria Rambo. Yeah, and she's there, and she is some character called Binary, who is I guess an X Men, and I don't, I'm not familiar with her. Are you? Uh, vaguely. I knew, I know the character. I, I don't know too much. I guess she's associated with the X-Men. I, I didn't know that. But yeah, I guess I knew that she, that her mom was some sort of superhero. But the big, obviously, you know, you know, wow moment is that we get Hank McCoy. Kelsey Grammer as Beast. Get, and that was really cool. And uh, obviously, and it, wasn't there some little sort of drop at the end of... Uh, the Marvels that sort of indicates that Kamala Khan might be a oh yeah uh, a yeah mutant, at the end of Miss you know? Marvel they say that she's yeah. a mutant or something yeah um, so, so there seems I, to be going to some be kind of tie in that. there yeah. but so the so those were two juicy you know hearkening back to the real juicy post credit scenes we used to get back in Phase two and three of the MCU so that was cool but it also begs the question you know to get into you know, the, the challenges that we do have with the MCU today is it just they just keep introducing oh, more know, yeah. things and more threads. And like, how are you going to possibly pay off all this stuff? Like, I, as I watched the Marvels, I was just thinking back to the, you know, the Shang-Chi post credit scene with mm. Banner and Carol. And, right. and I'm like, you know, who, that went nowhere or it's going nowhere or we're going to how long are we going to have to wait there's all you know and then there's a post credit scene with Charlize Theron at the end of Doctor Strange oh, like, God, when yeah, are, how are you possibly going to pay off all these things like they're cool in the moment and when you had the Infinity Saga all this stuff kind like 
came together. Mm. Now it just seems like we're throwing out things that we know are going to be great sort of fan service, cool moments. But like, again, just how are you ever possibly going to pay all this stuff off? Uh, yeah, that of... that was I was a little bit not. I mean, obviously, it was great to see uh, the Beast and Kelsey Grammer voicing him and everything else. But mm. I was a little bit surprised that just out of all the things and cameos they could have thrown in there, that was very unexpected to the point where I had known, I actually had known he was going to show up because I had seen spoilers prior, but mm. I had seen some like, like rumblings that, that they were going to do beast. And I was like, how are they like, how is that going to tie in in any way to, to Marvel's? But I guess, I guess it, it did, but yeah, no, it reminds me of uh, the end of Eternals too. There was that post-credit scene with Harry Styles and everything else. That, yeah. That oh yeah. It's going to go anywhere. Yeah, right. That especially well, then, seemed like, like it was nothing. And plus there's that sort of running joke about the Eternals. Like how come no one ever talks about that big giant thing right. sticking out of the planet, but it is what it is. So in, in, who knows? Maybe they, maybe they do have a plan, but uh, you know, that definitely is one of the challenges or problems with the MC right now. Is it just like uh, pick a direction, you know? Right. Um, and pick a story or don't or just give us episodic superhero adventures and and don't worry so much about mm. this overriding arc but mm-hmm. uh, but anyway uh any other final thoughts from you on this one uh, i don't think so i think we've pretty much covered everything well i guess that's a wrap on the marvels and definitely if you haven't seen it we we would recommend it uh, mm. i think you'll we think you'll enjoy it if if you like if you like the mcu um as we wrap up uh just a reminder uh, if you do enjoy this episode, please do give us a like and a follow on our X slash Twitter page at worldsb underscore podcast and a like or subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. It means the world to us. And thank you guys for listening. I've got a lot coming up. Uh, Monarch show on Apple TV. I've started watching that. Uh, enjoying that so far. Very not what I expected, but don't mm. want to say anything more than that. Godzilla minus one, the new Toho Godzilla film coming out. Some holiday horror uh, and I'm sure some things coming after that. Any other things we want to tease that we haven't hit on yet? Uh, I don't think so. I think that pretty much covers it. All right. As always, watch Lockwood & Co. on Netflix. Read those wonderful books by Jonathan Stroud and support us in our effort to get a that show renewed on another streamer. And that is my plug. And with that, we will say goodbye to you all. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll see you on the next one. Thanks for tuning in, guys. See you on the next episode.